0: So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. You know, Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. All the decorations, all the food, all the family gatherings, all of the Christmas parties and the parades and the special Christmas services that we have. However, We can come to December the 25th absolutely filled to the brim with all these good things while at the same time we miss the best thing and the best thing is to experience the Lord Jesus Christ in this season that we've marked off on our calendars to celebrate his incarnation. Today I'm launching a new series of sermons. Don't worry, we're coming back to Genesis after the first of the year. I'm just, I just having trouble finding a good time in December to preach on Cain murdering Abel. Because that's the next sermon we've got. So I'm going to delay that until the first of the year and we'll get into that gory detail then. But there's some wonderful things coming in, in Genesis chapter 4 through 11 which we'll finish in the spring. So today I'm launching a series entitled Experience Christmas. Let me ask you, are you curious about the Christian faith? Or are you a believer and do you really have a desire in your heart to prepare you and your family for a genuine experience of Christmas? Or or do you want to deepen your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, this, this sermon series is for you if the answer to any of those questions is yes. In each of the sermons, I'm going to lead you on a journey into the experiences of Zacharias and Elizabeth, along with Joseph and Mary, with the help of the Holy Spirit, our goal will be to create a realistic understanding of what the first Christmas was like for these important biblical characters. Hopefully, we'll learn some valuable lessons that will shape our faith and change our lives. Now, Luke's gospel is built on the theme that Jesus is the Son of Man. He opens with two chapters that highlight the birth of Jesus. In chapter 1, Luke shares about a special visit that Gabriel, the powerful angel of God, paid to Mary there in Nazareth. And we'll dive into Mary's Christmas experience in a couple of weeks. But today, we're going to immerse ourselves into the experience of an aged Jewish couple by the name of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Remember this now. Don't forget this. They didn't know what we know. They didn't know the end of the story. They knew nothing about the cross. They had seen pictures of it and types and all that in the Old Testament. But they didn't know what we know. They didn't know about the resurrection of Jesus. It had been... um, Veil veiled truth have been shared in the Old Testament, but they didn't have what we have. And it's very important, if we're going to understand how Zacharias and Elizabeth experienced Christmas, that we look at the reality of what they knew as well as what they experienced. Now, they were living out their lives minute by minute, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. And God was feeding them. The, the the truths of Christmas, piece by piece. In Luke chapter one verses five to seven, the Bible says, "In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth." So here we're introduced to a priest, a Jewish priest. And his wife, both of whom were from the family or the lineage of Aaron, the high priest. Now verse 6 says something very important to us. It says, they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Now, I wouldn't be stretching the truth to say that that Zacharias and Elizabeth wanted a baby in the worst kind of way. To be honest with you, they had probably been praying from the time they got married that God would give them a baby. But here they are, an aged couple, righteous and blameless in the sight of God, and God had not given them a baby. Unfortunately, they were old. And Luke is painting a picture for us here. In their minds, having a baby at this stage in their life looked absolutely impossible. Impossible. And yet they were struggling inside. Can you imagine this? They said, We've been living for God all our lives, we've been serving God faithfully. And God has not answered our prayers. I just wonder if there uh, there was not just a little tinge of resentment toward God. A little tinge of resentment toward God for not answering their prayers. For not giving them the baby that they desired. In Luke chapter 1 verse 8 we pick up the story. Now, it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. I I tell you, he hit the jackpot. I mean, this man, as a priest, wanted to serve in the temple. To be able to burn incense in the holy place was an incredible privilege for any priest in Judaism. And here, this aged priest is chosen by Lot to go into the temple and to burn incense in the holy place. The Bible goes on to say, in verse 10... And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense burning. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. Now I can't imagine what that must have been like for Zacharias. When it says he was troubled, I I think that speaking in in, in as low a term as they could possibly speak, this man had to be mortified. He was scared out of his gourd. Can you imagine an angel appearing to you as you're serving God in the temple? But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. And I'm sure Zacharias is thinking that's easy for you to say, Gabriel, For your petition has been heard. Now, listen. The angel says to him, Your petition has been heard. But wait a minute. Zacharias and Elizabeth thought that God had not answered their prayer. And they had been devastated by that. But Gabriel comes from heaven, appears in the temple. And tell Zacharias that his prayers have been answered. My goodness. Your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. Gabriel brings a word from heaven's throne that they're going to have a son and even brings the name of the son with him. You're going to name your son John not Zacharias second, John. Verse 14, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. You know, we have a way of assigning greatness to people on this earth today. We say, well, this guy's great because he can shoot a basketball, or this guy's great because he can run the football, or or this guy's great because he can play an instrument. And we assign greatness frivolously. But I want to tell you, when heaven assigns greatness to a human being, there's something special about the human being. And Gabriel said, I want you to know, Zacharias, that your baby's son will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in the womb of his mother. Wow. Man, God must have had a special plan for this boy that God was giving to this aged couple. The Bible goes on to say, Verse 16, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make people ready, a people prepared for the Lord. Now here's what we've got to understand. And it doesn't say it right here, but it's true. It's true. For 400 years, there had been silence from God. The last time God spoke to the Jewish people was the prophet Malachi 400 years earlier. And it's like the heavens were as brass. And God had not been speaking for 400 years. There was no prophetic word. There was no dream. There was no vision. Everything had been shut off from God and now suddenly an angel appears from the throne of God and he tells Zacharias, Zacharias, I got a word for you from God. Now can you put yourself in his place? Here he is and he is the recipient of a word from God for the first time in 400 years. My goodness! Several important truths are embedded in this message by the angel. Number one: here's the truth. The, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. My goodness! Listen. Can you imagine being Zacharias? And being present when the angel says that the long-awaited promise of the Messiah is about to be fulfilled. Wow. The Messiah is coming. And here's another message embedded in this message from the angel. God was in the prayer answering business. Now, God may not answer prayers in our timing. God may not answer prayers the way we want them answered. But God will hear our prayers, and God will answer our prayers. Here's another truth. Zacharias and Elizabeth would have a son. And they would name him John. They didn't have to go through some kind of book of baby names to figure out what to name their son. God already named him. All they had to do is do what God said, right? And he would be great in God's sight, and he would prepare the way for the Messiah. God had a special plan for this son of theirs. He would be the forerunner of Messiah. Zacharias' head must have been spinning. Keep in mind that this was all new to him. Now, we look back on it and we understand it and and we've seen it and studied it in our Bibles for years and years and years, but put yourself in the sandals of Zacharias. It's all new. And all of this came at him piece by piece and moment by moment and truth by truth. How would he respond to the angel's message Let me ask you a question. Do you really want to experience Christmas? Now, there's a secular way you can experience Christmas. And there is a spiritual way that you can experience Christmas. And I can tell you the way that has more weight in heaven than any other way is the spiritual way that you experience Christmas. And that's what we're talking about today. Here's what you got to do. If you really want to experience Christmas, you got to believe. you got to believe. In Luke chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, we see how Zacharias responded to the angel. He said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. In other words, Mr. Gabriel, I'm not sure I understand exactly what you just said. I don't see how this is possible. Now, now, keep this in mind. As a Jewish priest, he had studied the Old Testament in detail. He knew that God gave Abraham and Sarah a, a child in their old age. He knew that God gave Samson to his parents at an old age he knew that God gave Samuel to his parents at an old age he knew all of that and yet there's a doubt in his mind how in the world could this be true it sounds too good to be true and then the Bible says that the angel answered Zacharias verse 19 the angel answered and said to him I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. And Gabriel, in fact, says to him, let me tell you something there, Mr. Zacharias. I'm Gabriel. I've stood in the presence of God. And God sent me with a message for you, and it's a message of good news. And it's almost like Gabriel is reprimanding Zacharias for not immediately believing what God had said. Verse 20 And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and kept making signs to them and remained mute. Do you understand this? Immediately, he couldn't speak. He could hear, but he couldn't speak. And for nine months, he would not be able to speak. And he kept making signs to the people, trying to communicate to them what had happened in the temple. But he was mute. He couldn't speak. Verse 23, when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying... This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. See, understand this. In the Jewish culture, it was a disgrace for a couple not to have a child. It was an absolute disgrace. And here Elizabeth is in her old age. And she believes, she believes and she gets pregnant. And God answered their prayers. Now understand this. Zacharias did not know how the story would play out at this time. Neither did Elizabeth. But here's what, here's what they knew. They knew that God sent an angel And that angel told them that they would have a son, and they were to name that son John. That's what they knew. And they took what God said, and they believed it, and they acted upon it. Several things are obvious here as we look at this storyline. Number one, listen, Zacharias was shocked that God had answered his prayers. Have you ever been shocked? that God answered your prayers? I know we've been shocked many times because he did not answer our prayers, but have you ever been shocked when you prayed something for a long time and God finally answers that prayer? That's exactly what they were experiencing. He was skeptical about God's ability to do what the angel had said. Now, let me say this. It's very obvious in this story that God expects people to believe him when he speaks. Do you? You say, well, God's not sent an angel to me. I've never had a vision, Pastor. No, but you have this right here. You got this. This is God's word. And I'm going to ask you today, do you believe this word? I mean, do you... When you read the word, do you believe it? Do you believe it by faith and do you act upon the word of God? You, you see, faith is not just saying you believe it. Faith is saying you believe it and then acting upon it. And look, God disciplined him because of his unbelief. That, that's why I'm saying to you today that one of the key thoughts in this whole story Is you gotta believe if you really wanna experience Christmas. You gotta believe. And here's a thought I wanna place in your mind nothing is too difficult for God. That's what this story says to me. Nothing is too difficult for God. If God wants to give an aged couple, way beyond childbearing age, a baby, God can do that. God can do anything he wants to do. Now, as we follow Luke's storyline, we see that the angel Gabriel also paid a visit to a young virgin in Nazareth. Her name was Mary. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of Gabriel's visit with Mary in Nazareth. We're going to do that in a couple of weeks. But what I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit of God Planted the seed of the Son of God in the virgin womb of Mary. Then we read about a special visit that Mary paid to her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea. In Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45, we read this. Now this time Mary arose and went in, in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now look at this, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. Now remember, Elizabeth is old. Mary is a young teenager. A virgin. And the seed of the Son of God is in her womb. The Messiah is in her womb. And the Bible says when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John, the baby in in Elizabeth's womb, leaped for joy. Why? Because the Messiah had come into his presence in the womb of Mary. The Bible says... And she cried out with a loud voice saying, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Man. Once again, it's important that we realize that Elizabeth had no clue about what would take place in Bethlehem in a matter of a few months. She had no clue. What you have right here is a stream of prophetic revelation that the Holy Spirit gave to Elizabeth. God showed her some things that prophets of old would have died to have been able to hear and to, to, to encompass in their own minds and hearts. I, I'm sure she had no idea that her cousin Mary was even pregnant when she walked into her house. But what happened during this visit was simply amazing. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. The baby leaped for joy in her womb. The, Elizabeth called Mary the mother of my Lord. Do you understand how significant that is? How did she know that? How did she know it? God revealed it to her. And notice how Elizabeth affirmed the faith of Mary. I, I, I'm just wondering if that's not a wife's little dig at her husband for his lack of faith. I'm not saying it is, but I just had that thought. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. Then she returned to Nazareth. And my question to you today is simply this. Do you truly want to experience Christmas? Not the secular kind. I'm telling you, you can go to all the parties, you can have all the food, you can go to all the parades, you can go to all the tree lightings on the square. You can do all of this great stuff and still not experience Christmas and on December the 25th feel a certain emptiness in your life. But I can tell you this, you can truly experience Christmas if you take the spiritual approach to Christmas and you do it God's way. you got to believe I'm telling you you got to believe finally I want you to see how the, the time for Elizabeth to give birth arrived in Luke 1 57 to 66 let's read it now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth It'd been nine months nine months Zacharias had been absolutely silent And she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her. And they were rejoicing with her. Man, the disgrace had been lifted. Elizabeth had a baby. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to to call him Zacharias after his father. You see, that's the normal way the culture operated in that day a Jewish couple that had a baby that eighth day was very significant on the eighth day they would circumcise their son and on the eighth day they would name the son and it was normal for people to name their son after a name that had been a part of the family heritage Verse 60, but his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet, not an iPad. (laughs) I promise you, it wasn't an iPad. But he asked for a tablet. And he etched out on that tablet, look at this. His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he began to speak in praise of God. Now, let me ask you why did God loose his tongue? Why did God allow him to speak? I'll tell you why, because God, because Zacharias obeyed Gabriel's message from heaven. He named him exactly what God told him to name him. I guess Zacharias learned a lesson, didn't he? And God set his tongue free, and he began to praise God. The Bible says in verse 65, fear came on all those living around them, and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept them in mind saying, what then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. I tell you, when a, when a man or woman of God decides to operate in faith, and do what God tells them to do. And they trust God. It doesn't mean that they can, that they can do everything everybody thinks they should do. It, it simply means this: sometimes you've got to color outside the lines. The culture says you've got to do this. But when you follow God and you walk in faith, sometimes you have to do what the culture says you shouldn't do. But I can tell you the rewards are out of this world. Without faith, the Bible said, it is impossible to please God. You know what Zacharias did when he named his son John and and when Elizabeth agreed to name the son John? I tell you what, they pleased God. God was pleased because God had named that baby because God had a special plan for that baby. What flowed out of his mouth After that was a stream of prophetic truth that absolutely boggles the mind. Here's our danger. We read the scripture and we read it from our 2022 perspective. But if we could only, only, only read the scripture from the perspective of an aged couple living in Judea who had no clue what Christmas was all about. They weren't celebrating Christmas, I promise you. But God had spoken to them, and they obeyed God. I want you to see the prophetic truth that came out of Zacharias' mouth when God opened his, his tongue to speak. Verses 67 to 79. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Now the idea of this whole prophetic passage here is that God had visited his people. And accomplished redemption for his people. Verse 69, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Verse 73, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child. Now, verse 76. You know what Zacharias does? He's got his eight-day-old son in his arms. And he speaks prophetic truth over his son. And he said, you, my child, will be called the prophet of the most high. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. To shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, when Zacharias was holding John, John the Baptist, in his arms and speaking this truth over him, you know what he knew? He knew that the long-awaited promise that God would send the Messiah to the Jewish people was just about to occur. And he knew that his son, Had an important role to play as the forerunner of the Messiah, to turn the hearts of the Jewish people back to God. God was about to do something he'd never done before, he was sending his son to be the Savior. In verse 68, To redeem his people in verse 69 to raise up a horn of salvation in verse 77 to forgive the people's sins and God was fulfilling his promises as revealed to the prophets in verse 70 to show mercy in verse 72 and to keep his covenant in 72 and 73 his covenant with Abraham And God was preparing the way. John would be a prophet. John would be the forerunner. John would preach salvation and forgiveness of sins to the world at that time. And people would flock to John the Baptist when he would start his ministry there in in the region there by the Jordan River. We look back on an event that occurred approximately 2,022 years ago. With that kind of perspective... And with the added revelation of the Word of God that we have in our laps and we cherish, it would be an absolute tragedy for us to go through this holiday season without truly experiencing Christmas. But I'm telling you, if you want to experience Christmas, you've got to believe. You've got to believe. What is it that you should believe? Number one, believe that God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. The Messiah would forgive our sins. The Messiah would provide peace. This Bible is absolutely loaded with promises. A new one that I'm memorizing is, is Psalm fifty-five twenty-two. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Do do you know what we can do as a believer with that promise? We can believe it. We can allow it to shape how we live our lives and what we believe about God. And there's so many problems. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We can believe that. We can believe that God will give eternal life to anyone who believes in his son, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can believe Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when the enemy begins to attack us with guilt over stuff that God has long since forgiven us for, we can remind ourselves that God keeps his promise. Here's the second thing you've got to believe. Not only that God keeps his promises, but number two, that God regulates his plans. According to his will, not ours. According to his timing, not our timing. You, you see, everything about this story was totally out of whack as far as Zacharias and Elizabeth was concerned. In their minds, they should have had a child when they were in their 20s. Or their late, her, her late teens. But God had delayed. Did God make a mistake? Can I tell you this? God's not in heaven trying to figure out what to do next. God knows exactly what he wants to do. And God regulates his plans. And you may be frustrated today. Because God's not doing something that you think he should do. God's not answering your prayers the way you've been praying. It's like God's not even hearing you. And I tell you on the authority of God's word, you can rest assured that you've got to believe that God regulates his plans according to his will and for his purposes. And anything God does is good. Because God is good. Number three, you got to believe that God keeps his promises. Number two, got to believe that God regulates his plans. Number three, you've got you to believe that God fulfills his prophecies. Man, you go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy in the Bible. You know what God promised? God promised that one day he would send the seed of the woman and the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan and Satan would only be able to bruise his ill. And you know what? God kept his promises. He kept that prophecy and Zechariah saw it play out in living technicolor. Now let me tell you, if you're gonna believe that God fulfills his prophecies concerning his first coming, then you gotta believe that God's gonna keep his promises concerning the second coming. Listen, this Bible says that Jesus is coming again, friend. The Bible says that He's coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's going to happen. How do you know it's going to happen, pastor? Because God fulfills his prophecies. Every single one of them. Not one of them has failed. And one of them will never fail. And you cannot allow yourself to fall into the trap of ignoring God's word and ignoring God's prophecy. God has visited us in the person of his son, the Messiah. We see that in verse 68 and 78. The Lord Jesus would eventually die on the cross for our sins and be raised from the dead so that we could have the gift of eternal life, so that we could be justified before God. Now, now, now did Zacharias and Elizabeth understand all that? No. No. But you know what? They took what God said and they believed it. And God honored them. I want you to know that Jesus is still visiting people today. He's knocking on people's hearts even right now. In Revelation chapter 3, he talks about standing at the door and knocking the door of your heart. And there's some within this this body here today, there's some watching live stream and you're not saved. And the Lord Jesus has knocked on your heart's door many times and he wants to come in. He wants to save you, he wants to forgive you. That's why he came to the planet in the first place. Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And you're lost, and you've lost your way. And I tell you, Jesus will help you find your way back to God. He will forgive your sins. He will change your heart. He will give you a whole new perspective, a whole new life. And I want to invite you today to come to Jesus and receive him as your Savior. You say, Pastor, can I really do that today? Absolutely, without a doubt. But you know, he's also knocking on the heart's door of some believers here today. And he's asking you a very simple question. Are you ready to quit playing games? Are you ready to fully commit your life to the Messiah? To deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him? I'll tell you, believer, believer, if you really want to experience Christmas, you've got to do that. And I want to invite you in just a moment to come to this altar and just bow before the Lord and say to him, Lord, I commit my life to you today. And here's another question that Jesus may be asking as he knocks on your heart door. Will you submit to his plan for your life? I know you've got your plan. You submit to his plan for your life, just like Zacharias and Elizabeth did. Hey, listen, if you really want to experience Christmas, you've got to believe. I'm going to ask our worship team to come, our staff to come, and this is your opportunity to respond. I want to invite you. Follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be saved, you come to one of our staff members and just tell them, I want to be saved. If you want to commit your life to Christ afresh and anew, come to the altar. If you want to become a part of this church, come to one of our staff members. And if you want to submit to his plan for your life, come and just kneel before him. Say, Lord, your way is the way I want to go. Father, in the name of Jesus, pour out your Spirit, do a work in our hearts, in Jesus' name.